This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a good morning to you. Yes, it's a beautiful Saturday morning. Ooh, Frank Rock, the sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie Dobbin, our master gardener. And uh, yeah, what a day, huh? Oh, oh gosh. It's just going to be a great day to get in the garden. As soon as I'm out of the station, you know where I'm headed. <laughs> I'm on the way drive in this morning. Here's uh, some guy with a, gee, I can't remember what kind of car it was. It was convertible. Uh-huh. Got the top down Wide already. Open, yeah. Just oh, booming yeah. down the road. Mm. Nice, n- nice day so for good. cruising, too. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Well, uh, before we begin, uh, I know you've got a whack of announcements there. You know it. But let me get the phone numbers on the air, okay? Right away, and then folks can call in. And the, the main deal is, if you call early, you can get in on the show uh, rather than leaving it late, you know. Call early, call often. One, one question, question per call. call. Oh, gosh, that's so boring. Okay, <laughs> 416-360-0740. That's for Toronto area listeners and anywhere else in the province. Toll-free, we pick up all the cost here. one 740 Four seven forty. Okay, now as usual, Charlie has a raft of announcements here. Well, some days there's more than others. Oh, I see. Because this is the time of year for plant sales. So yeah, right thinking of na- mums. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, actually. Go do your mums day shopping at your local plant sale right now. As I'm speaking, there are two on in the North Toronto area. There's one in Thornhill happening right now until two o'clock, and there's one in Richmond Hill happening right now until eleven thirty. So the Thornhill plant sale, sponsored, of course, by the Hort Society, is happening on the northwest corner of the Thornhill Community Center's parking lot. So that's, of course, Bayview uh, between Green Lane and John Street. So today, the Richmond Hill Hort Society plant sale is again on till 1130 today at the McConaughey Senior Center, which is at... 10 100 Young Street. So that's just north of Major McKenzie on the west side of Young Street. Um, shop early to avoid disappointment at all plant sales mm. and think about mom. That was a good point, Frank. Uh, okay. Here's another uh, couple of things going on here. Let me just double check what's the order in which I want to tell you about these. Uh, The Burlington Horticultural Society is holding their gigantic plant sale. That includes perennials, annuals, gardening books, magazines, used tools, baked, and limited number of named Chinese peonies. It would have been cheaper to go down the easier to go down the list of the stuff that wasn't there. <laughs> My God for Daniels, what a list that was. Well, there's no <laughs> kitchen sinks that I can tell, but there's pretty much everything else. Yeah, okay. That's next Saturday. And of course, as I said, that's in Burlington. Next Saturday from eight AM to eleven thirty AM. This is mm-hmm. all early morning stuff, right? The early bird. So the parking lot in front of the Central Library, twenty two eighty five New Street in Burlington is where the plant sale takes place. 
Uh, and the following Saturday, May 26th, the Newmarket Horticultural Society is holding their annual plant sale. So they're everywhere. Their sale in Newmarket starts at 1 p.m. sharp. Okay, so they, these people like to sleep in. It's you know, Or maybe they get organized in the morning. But bottom line is you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn. You can go in for a 1 o'clock start at the Newmarket Community Center, 200 Doug Duncan Drive in Newmarket. Again, wide variety. Healthy perennials, annuals, herbs, shrubs, and indoor plants. All plants are grown by the Newmarket Horticultural Society members and are available at bargain prices. Don't be disappointed. Come early. Shop early and get your best selection. More information, gardennewmarket.ca. Now, two more things I want to tell you about. Okay. One is, this is just fun, okay? Fun facts. Fun facts. Yeah. Right. Actually, I should, you know, it's like Frankie's Fables. Well, this yeah. is fun facts that go for Frank with Frankie's Fables. Did you know? All right. No, tell I me didn't. if you knew this. Originally, all carrots were purple. Get out of here. I'm absolutely serious. All carrots were purple. The Dutch are responsible for the orange color when, in a burst of patriotism in the 18th century, they cultivated orange carrots in honor of the Dutch House of Orange. Now carrots Shut are... the front door. Come on. <laughs> really? This is a fun <laughs> fact. It's not a fable. It's not a fun fable. Well, what what happened to the purple ones? They're still out there. Carrots are available in red, black, yellow, pink, and white, and of course, purple. Well, no. But we... I'm simply blown away here. I know. You think carrots are supposed to be orange, but it's all yeah. the Dutch. Well... The orange. The Dutch how house the heck of would orange. they do that, though? I mean... Uh, well, the carrots, I mean, it's like tomatoes come in all different colors, right? You know, oh, so, apples but, come in different colors. It's Did they just propagate more of the orange exactly. ones? Exactly. Well, because, yeah, of course. And they're, you know, obviously agriculture is huge in the oh, Netherlands. I'm, I'm, see, I'm they thinking, flooded the market with orange oh, carrots. Okay, okay, that's what they, I thought they turned the purple ones into oh. the orange ones, you see. That's what was. You thought they were like dyeing me. the carrots. Yeah. No, 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 no. They grew orange <laughs> ones. You see them dipping the. They stopped growing purple <laughs> ones. That's the point. Oh. Everybody was eating purple all over the world. And then the Dutch made. Orange, Boom. the carrot, the cool carrot. Wow. Okay, so there's a fun fact. And then one more quick thing. Okay. While we're talking about vegetables and planting and growing, as part of your garden this year, why not plant an extra row for the food bank? Okay. Good idea. Donate mm-hmm. some of this year's harvest to help all those in need. Plant a Row, Grow a Row is a people helping people program encouraging gardeners to plant an extra row of veggies, purple or orange carrots, nobody minds. And to share the harvest with those in need. The program is spearheaded by the Compost Council of Canada and the Garden Writers Association with support from your local food bank. So for more information, obviously, go to growarow.org. They also have a free comprehensive Grow Your Veggie Garden Guide at that same website. So growarow.org. Very good. And uh, that really is a nice nice thing to do. Oh, nice thing to totally. Yep, yep. Okay. Hey, we've got to take a little break here and you then uh, scoot back because we've got the lines jammed right now. We'll be talking to Eleanor in Waterloo in just a couple of moments here at AM740 Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the goddess of the garden is here with this Charlie Dobbin, along with David Gaskin, our producer. I forgot to say hi to Dave. Mm. Got to do that or else he 
you know, screws up the calls on purpose. Yeah, but, uh, no, he, he hasn't this morning, no. <laughs> Eleanor is there from Waterloo. Hi, Eleanor. Good morning. I'm just fine. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I'd like to ask you, we have recently planted a standard crab apple, mm-hmm. a coral burst crab apple standard, mm-hmm. and it's beautifully shaped at the top like a round ball, and we want to keep it like that. When do we prune this tree? We had all information on how to plant it, but no pruning or care information. All right, with any of the crab apples, and this is the same for any of the fruiting trees, so regular apples, peaches, pears, plums, we do all of our pruning very early in the spring or late in the winter. So there's no leaves on the trees, no flowers on the trees. They're completely dormant. uh, And that we go out on a day when it's, um, you know, a sunny day, not a rainy day. And it can be above zero or, you know, around zero, you know, cool weather. And we do all our pruning when we can see exactly what's going on. Uh, And that's shortly after that, we spray with our dormant spray to make sure we eliminate or limit fungal diseases and insects. And uh, and then we leave them alone other than giving them some fertilizer in the spring. Well, then... That's the the next one I wanted to ask you about this tree. Mm-hmm. Um, she, my my daughter covers some of her trees with burlap in the winter. Does this tree have to be protected with burlap? No, it does not. It does not. No, no. The crab apples are nice and hardy and tough. The main thing, of course, with all of our garden plants, uh, and most particularly our evergreens, in the fall, we just want to make sure that the soil is nice and moist before winter comes, before the ground freezes. And hopefully next year we'll have a real winter <laughs> where the ground does freeze. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that is something that we, we always want to be careful that the ground is nice and moist. Otherwise, no, your crab apple needs no special care. Okay, Thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks Have for calling. A good day. Thank you, you Elena. Take Bye. care. Waterloo for us there. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. Where are we going now? Uh, off and running Scarborough. to Scarborough. Right. Oh, and one of my favorite pies, the subject of <laughs> rhubarb. Uh, hello, Maureen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I have just planted last uh, summer a rhubarb plant, mm-hmm. and... This winter, with no winter, mm-hmm. it uh, started to grow very early. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got big leaves at the bottom, and I have this humongous stem that's about three feet in height, with like little bushy things on the top of it. <laughs> and I'm wondering, do I just go to the bottom of that and cut it off? Uh, you could. That is the flower. That is your rhubarb flowering. I've never seen anything like that before. Well, it happens. It just, it's, you're, you're right. It's because we had a funny winter and a funny spring. When a rhubarb flowers, it's known as bolting, which is why it's so tall, right? It's like it sends up this, you know, big tall f- scape with yeah. a flower up on top like that. Now, if you remove the flower, you may find you'll get a few more leaves. If you don't remove the flower, you definitely won't get any more leaves. Okay. And it's just because of the warm weather. They, right. they flower when it gets warm. So it, it just went through its entire life cycle, and it's only May. Holy <laughs> cow. Yeah. So it's just going to shut down and be dormant. No, but just going to be dormant, like basically dormant for the rest of the summer. It's not going to grow a lot. Uh, so uh, personally, I would take the flower off. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Thanks. You're very good. Right. Thank you, Marie. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. It's uh, coming around to 18 minutes after 9. You are listening to AM740, Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show, with Master Gardener Charlie Dobbin. By the way, for those of you who um, don't want to get on the air or on the phone, you can always email Charlie at C, and that's like in Charlie, C, D-O-B-B-I-N. Charlie Dobbin at am740.ca. That's okay. right. And and just while we're talking about, mm. you know, email and all that, remember as well, our show is podcast. Now, don't get confused by the term podcast. You don't need an iPod to listen to a podcast. I don't know where this term came from. All you, But you do need a computer. Right. And any regular computer is where you download a podcast. It's just an MP3 file. So it's a digital file of our show. It can be downloaded from the AM740 website. So you go to AM740, go to the Garden Show, and choose a date and... Bring that show go. onto your computer and also listen to it. Also available on iTunes. We're as well. also that cool that we're on iTunes, uh, we're and that uh, cool. it's uh, it is free <laughs> on iTunes. But we are there along with you know lots of famous people. Now I know that other famous people. Right. <laughs> Joyce is listening to us out in Scarborough. We're going to get to you just in moments here, uh, Joyce. But first, I've got to do my exercises. I know. I forgot to get really busy this morning before the show, so this is why I take time <clears throat> during the show to do my exercise. So it's push-up time. Oh, okay. Heads up. Uh, all right. Here he goes. Push-ups. <laughs> One. It's it's actually the scary part is what he's Two. wearing when he does all this. That's why I have to just cover my eyes. Yeah, why is Frank doing push-ups? Frank is staying active. Are those push-ups or sit-ups? I can't tell. They're sort of of halfway between. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like I was doing straining myself there. I thought I better not try too hard. (laughs) Okay. Before we get giggling too much, the reason Frank is is doing these wacky exercises in his (laughs) synthetic suit is because he is Sierra Sill Man. And Sierra Sill is a mineral, they're very natural, completely natural, mineral supplement that both Frank and I take on a daily basis. And it's something that keeps us limber and active and pain-free and wearing frightening clothing. (laughs) But you don't have to wear the clothes. You can just take the Sierra Sill and... Go out golfing in regular clothes or kickboxing or gardening or whatever you like to do. Uh, more information about Sierra Sill can be gleaned from their website, sierrasill.ca, uh, or they have uh, people standing by at a one eight seven seven joint 14 phone number, or you can pick up Sierra Sill at your local health food store, like Nature Village in um, on Queen Street in Streetsville, and the Big Carrot also carries Sierra Sill on the Danforth Avenue in Toronto. It used to be the Big Purple Carrot, but not anymore. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And this is the sous chef of the garden. I'm still the undergardener. I'm the undergardener. Saying hi to Joyce in Scarborough. Good morning, Joyce. Um, I need your help with regard to lime. Mm-hmm. I was told recently that because I have so much moss in my backyard, I could throw some lime on it. Mm-hmm. My problem is I have two bags of lime. Mm-hmm. One is hydrated lime, which is white, mm-hmm. and the other one is chill- is it chelated lime, I think, which is sort of gray granular. Which one do I use? 
Okay, so you've got chelated lime? Yes, chelated and, lime, yeah. And the other was hydrated, hydrated lime. Hydrated lime. Okay, so uh, frankly, uh, what you want is something called horticultural lime. Oh. So, but I think your chelated lime is horticultural lime. Okay. So look closely on the label, on the bag. Uh, do not use the hydrated lime. Oh, okay. And uh, look closely on the, the bag of the chelated lime, and I think you'll find that it'll give you instructions for horticultural use. Okay. Because that's what you want. The, the lime will, will raise your pH, which will make the soil less of a happy place for moss. Okay. Before you put the lime down, though, I would remove the lime, sorry, remove the moss. <clears throat> I would rough up the soil. I would consider adding some fresh soil. Okay. Uh, keep in mind that the conditions that are good for moss are lots of shade, yes. lots of moisture, and uh, uh, an acidic soil. Okay. So the lime will counteract the acid portion, but if it's still moist and shady, yes. you will find that moss will grow back. So look to see if you can eliminate some of the moisture. If it's a place where water collects in your garden, consider uh, draining it better or adding sand to the soil, making it a better drained area. And if the shade is provided by trees, consider uh, thinning the canopy of the trees to allow a little more light and air into the into the space. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, can I use the, 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 or the, the, the horticultural lime in my regular vegetable garden, and when do I do that? Okay, the, well, like I say, lime will affect the pH of your soil, and yes. it's always a bit of a risk to play around with soil chemistry. Okay. <clears throat> the, when you, the reason you would add lime to any soil, like I say, is to, is to modify and raise the pH. And you would do that because you had tested your soil and determined that the pH was too low for the appropriate um, help, happy, healthy growth of the plants you want to grow. Okay. Most of the vegetables and most of the garden plants that we grow in our gardens in Ontario want a very neutral or just below neutral pH. Okay. So 6.7, 6.8, and 6. 7. 7, 6, 8. Is 7 is neutral. Okay. So 7 and just slightly below is what most of our plants want. Okay. There are a few plants like blueberries and magnolias, uh, um, hydrangeas um, that love rhododendrons want a lower pH. They want a more acidic soil. So okay. you can get right down to the, the five... Uh, and five and a half, kind of 5.5, to have happy, acid-loving plants. Okay. Hydrated lime, what do I do with that? That is something I think of, now I'll double-check this, but when I think of hydrated lime, you add water to hydrated lime, you get whitewash. That's what whitewash oh. is. <laughs> okay. So you whitewash your fence. Stones and stuff around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people whitewash the green, that's how they used to... provide shade in the greenhouses in the summer. They would put whitewash on the roof of the greenhouse for the summer, and then over the the rain would slowly but surely wash the lime off, and it would be all clean again by the end of the summer, and then they'd be wide open for the winter and get lots of sun into the greenhouses. But that was how shade used to be provided, was hydrated lime mixed with water. Thanks for the lesson. (laughs) No problem. Well, how about that, huh? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Joyce. Uh, appreciate the call here to the Garden Show. Phone numbers one more time here, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And off we go to Keswick, saying hi to uh, Anne. Good morning, Anne. Hello. Morning. Good morning. Um, your lady that phoned a couple of calls ago about the rhubarb, mm-hmm. 
I've already noticed that the neighbor's rhubarb, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's very large in diameter, and I've got a few like that. And I was just going to make a comment that maybe some people don't realize that when it gets too tough in that, <clears throat> and if you're going to boil it down or use it for something, you to end up having to add more sugar because mm-hmm. it's really Old, sour or yeah. bitter. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of throwing it in your compost heap, um, cut it up, put it in a pot, add a lot of water, let it simmer on the stove, and it cl- cleans beautifully steel-lined pots. Oh. Instead oh. of using an SOS pad, huh. they come up just like the day they were bought. Wow, good so tip. It, well, I guess whatever acid nut that's in the rhubarb is great for cleaning steel-lined pots. <laughs> so that you wouldn't necessarily eat what you end up with at the end, but you'd have a very clean pot. Exactly. Oh, good idea. Good idea. Mm. I'm going to pass that along to my father-in-law for his dentures overnight. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. Put it Boil them up in yeah. the rhubarb. <laughs> anyway. Oh, thanks That's for that. That's a good okay, tip. I just thought I would throw that note in there. All That's right. great, Anne. Thank thanks. you very much. Thank you. Thanks. And actually, which reminds me, I mean, just yeah. as an aside, everybody should realize that when it comes to rhubarb, the stem of the rhubarb is the part we eat. The The blade or the flat leaf part is poisonous. So we do not eat that. We cut that off. The question sometimes comes up, Can you? should you keep the blade of the rhubarb and put it into the compost, or do the poisonous compounds affect our compost? The answer to that question is absolutely yes. Put rhubarb, the blade of the leaf, that flat bit, yeah. into your compost. Don't be at all concerned about any poisonous bits poisoning your compost, because the the actual microscopic um, poisonous bits are all going to break down into your compost, and you're not unless you're planning on eating your compost, you're fine. <laughs> and nobody's eating their compost. Oh, oh, so I'm off my breakfast now. Thank don't, you very much. Don't a- ever be concerned about incorporating those bits into your composter. Good point, actually. Yes. Nine thirty, right on the button. As we say hi to Wendy, calling in from Pickering. Good morning. Hi. Morning. Um, I'm back again about rhododendrons. Okie doke. Sorry. Um, I have the idea about the pH, and we did winter them. I built the fort around them, but they are very tall. They're almost shoulder height. Wow. And I was supposed to phone you back early spring and find out about pruning. Um, I missed a couple of your shows, and then you had a couple of shows you couldn't get in by phone, so Mm -hmm. I'm very late. Oh, no, no, you're not too late. Don't worry. Uh, Because actually, uh, are there flower buds on your rhododendrons? Yes, they they got through the winter with the flower buds after me moving them. They did survive. Excellent. And they enjoyed their barricades all around. Yeah, I bet. That made a difference. Particularly this winter where we had no snow. So have the buds opened yet? Are they in flower? No, but they are very enlarged. Like They are getting there. Perfect. Well, you see, this is all good. And actually the height, when you say shoulder height, those are big rotos. Like, that's great. But they've lost their lower leaves. Yes. that Those are the older leaves, and that does sometimes happen. So what I would do if I were you... Allow those big, fat, juicy buds to continue to enlarge, and obviously they're going to open, and they're going to be really, really pretty and showy, and cars are going to stop, and, you know, the band is going to play, and tours are going to come through. Charge intermission. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can charge admission for people to see, because they're going to be great. So let that whole thing unfold, and that will still take a, a couple of weeks, probably, depending on our temperature, right? If it gets really warm and stays warm, this is all going to speed up. If it stays cooler for the next few weeks, the, this process will take a little longer. Once the flowering is finished, so the the petals have all turned crispy and fallen off, that is when you're going to get out your pruners. And at that point, you have two options. One is you can just remove the flowers that are finished, 
right just at the base of the flower. Or you could stand back and say, you know what, these these plants need some shaping. They're 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 a little one sided, or they're um, you know just not balanced. And it, so you can cut them down. We just don't often do a lot of pruning to our rhododendrons in Ontario because they don't often get so big. They often str- struggle to get you know to waist height, much less shoulder height. So feel free. I mean, at, at once the flowering is done, to do whatever pruning seems appropriate. By doing that pruning, you will encourage some more dense growth, more bushy growth, and hopefully the plants will fill out a little more. Remember as well to fertilize your rhododendrons with rhododendron food, very specific fertilizer. When would I? Yes, I, I have separate clematis and rhododendron, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. But You can have yeah. a lot of shelf, shelves of different fertilizers for specific plants, and this is one where you do want a specific fertilizer. When would you do it? I would do it now, and I would probably do it again in a month. Okay, but after I've cut them down, I leave it for a little while, or I still do it that month? No, you can do it. That's You're going to fertilize twice during this entire growing season. You could fertilize now as they're approaching the flowering, and then you'll fertilize again about a month later. So that might be when you're doing your pruning, you know, that would be fine. You can fertilize at the same time, but just give a full four weeks between fertilizing. Oh, thank you so very much. We will get these through. Yeah, okay. we will. And the other thing I, I do, if, if the leaves are kind of looking a bit pale, like you want them to be nice dark green, if the leaves are looking kind of pale, get a hold of something called soil acidifier. And that w- is a sulfur, and that w- is something that you will also sprinkle onto the soil to help keep that pH as low as you possibly can to have the plants able to actually absorb the fertilizer. Now, do those uh, pine needles... Yep. Do they help during the summer too? Definitely. Pine needles help because they will acidify the soil, but they break down very, very, very slowly. But they do provide a, a mulch, which is perfect. That's what you need. And uh, remember, we never cultivate around our rhododendrons. Don't dig up around because they're very shallow-rooted. Mm-hmm. Okay. I but, found that when I moved them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, for sure, if you've got pine needles kicking around, put a you know one-inch layer all around your rotos, not touching the stems, but all around, just to, to get that nice little bed of needles on top. That'll help keep them moist, and it'll very slowly acidify the soil. Well, they, they sound like they're going to be dandies, though, when they do bloom. Yeah, send right? pictures. Hmm? No, not touching the stem. Like, they're little things that you are so great at, and I've never heard that from anybody. Okay. So I need to move some back. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you with so any much. of our mulch, that's a, just a sort of a good tip for everybody. Any mulch that we put in the garden, uh, whether it's bark mulch or pine needle mulch or, you know, river rock mulch, any of that mulch, not, it should never touch the stems of the plants that we're mulching. Very good. It just you you can so end much. up with problems. All right, thank you. Thanks Bye-bye. for your call. Take care, Wendy. It's uh, 9.35 here at AM 740 Zoomer Radio. As we check in, uh, well, it's a call from Toronto, right where we are, huh? Lucy, good morning and welcome to the show. Uh, Good morning. Morning. Uh, I just want to find out about my pear tree. It seems to have got disease down it. Actually, I also have an apricot tree, Mm -hmm. and the apricot tree, uh, it flowered very well, but it didn't give any fruit. And it's got sap growing on the apricot tree. Mm. Okay. And the pear tree, mm-hmm. uh, it flowered as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know, it's got, the leaves are, seem to be withering. Really? Right now even? Yes. Mm. And of course I Early. didn't spray it, so I was wondering. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So they're both finished flowering. Now keep in mind your apricot, 
will self-pollinate to a point, but it will always produce more fruit in the presence of another apricot. So that might be a bit of what's going on with your uh, lack of fruit. Though I'd be surprised if you don't get any apricots. The the sap is not a good thing, though. The sap tells us that there could be a borer poking holes into the plant, you know, burrowing and tunneling inside the tree and leaving holes. And of course, sap then comes out of those holes. Right. Apricots are susceptible to a couple of borers. They also could be, um, there's a couple of diseases, fungal diseases that also cause sap to drip. Now, there is no question uh, spraying is important and you didn't do any spraying at all, you say. No, I didn't. Um, this is um, that dormant spray we talk about early yes, in the spring. I, I realize that. That's the number one spray. That's what you really want. And of course, do, it's, they, do I do that in the fall? Yeah, you do it. You can do it in the fall and you can also do it in the spring. The main thing is you do it when the plant is dormant. Dormant. So at this time of year, we don't use the dormant kit as a kit, but we can use part of the kit because in the dormant kit, you'll find two items. One is the oil, the horticultural oil, which is just a lightweight mineral oil. Right. And the other item in the kit is lime sulfur. So it's a liquid lime sulfur. It smells like rotten eggs. It's a yellow liquid that we mix with water. So at this time of year, you can still use the lime sulfur uh, and spray to control fungal diseases. Uh, I'm just actually, because this is such a specific question. Um, okay, there is uh, apricots. They can get something called a cytospora canker, which is a fungus, right? It's a fungal infection that occurs on the trunk and lower branches of apricot trees. Right. It usually enters through wounds in the tree. Twigs develop brownish-black areas around winter-killed buds or scarred areas on the bark. By early summer, a gummy substance appears, and later the bark separates from the wood. Does this sound at all familiar to you? The cankers grow larger every year and are most conspicuous in the main trunk or scaffold branches. Okay, I should check that out. Okay. Yeah, even just write this down, because you could certainly look it up for more information. Cytospora is C-Y-T as in Tom, O, and then spora, S-P-O-R-A, cytospora. Okay. Uh, and that is a very specific fungal disease that, that um, apricots can get. Of course, the trick is you want to, avo- how do you avoid a problem like this fungus getting into your apricot? It gets in through wounds. So your best defense, of course, is to not wound your tree, is to be very, very careful, Uh, avoid uh, any kind of injury to the bark, Um, avoid any long pruning stubs, avoid winter injury, Um, prune the trees in the spring, not the fall, remove any deadwood before the end of June, do not ever prune any plants, but particularly uh, fruit trees in cool, wet weather. Uh, Do not apply fertilizer after June because, again, that leads to a whole bunch of uh, growth that is then very susceptible to the fungus. Healthy trees growing on well-drained, deep, sandy soil are less likely to get cankers, and there is no chemical control if you have cytospora cankers. Okay. So that's your apricot. Uh, And then what was the other one was? um, The pear tree. The pear tree. Right. So with the pear tree, you could spray and should spray with the lime sulfur as per the directions. Uh-huh. Or if you don't own any lime sulfur and you're going to buy something, in the in the in a good garden center, you'll see different um, fungal 
Like there's an, a number of sprays out there. Most of them are sulfur based. So you could pick up Bordeaux, which is copper sulfate. You could pick up, like I said, the lime sulfur. You could pick up something called Serenade, which is another uh, bio fungicide, which is kind of an interesting fungicide. Right. All of these are designed to help prevent the spread of fungal diseases. So I can do the spray right now. You can, but do follow the instructions. Read carefully on the package. You don't spray it in a, on a hot, hot, sunny day. So early in the day or late in the day. Okay. Not when they're flowering either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. Thank you okay. very much. Okay. Thanks, Lucy. Okay. Bye. I'm sure oh, that was a long the... lecture, <laughs> but but it but it was very informative yeah, indeed. Well, the fruit now, trees are tricky, you know. Yeah. It's it's so I, I've seen it for years and years. It's a great dream, you know. Get out of bed in the morning. Put you know, grab a cup mm-hmm. of coffee or tea. Step out into the backyard with your bushel basket and fill it with all your beautiful fresh fruit, which is hanging there, waiting for you to just pick it and take it in and make it for breakfast. It's not that easy. Oh, Fruit trees. Sounded so dreamy there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, the dream is a very common dream, and with more and more emphasis on eating local yeah. and, you know, growing, growing local, your yeah. own and, and staying on top of, you know, doing organic, uh, you know, controlled growing. I understand it. It's, it's a very great dream, but it is a big responsibility. Fruit trees are not just like planting a tomato plant or a daisy or something. Right. I'm looking at the clock here. Yes. It's nine nine forty one. And you want to do some more exercises? Well, I do, but <laughs> I just want to uh, pre pre uh, advise our technical producer here, David mm. Gaskin. I'm going to take caller number eight. Uh, next, because it's a call uh, from Lewis to New York, and she's paying the freight on that call. And I know that uh, Margaret in Hamilton hopefully will be very kind and say, "Yeah, go ahead, take the uh, long distance caller first. So we'll go to uh, Juanita in Lewis to New York in moments. Meantime, Charlie, you're absolutely dead right. I've got <laughs> to do my exercises. So this time, <clears throat> I'm really I'm doing knee bends now. Uh, I'm doing I'm, again. Bends. I'm not going to watch Way because the that silicon oh. suit really does it to me. <laughs> Okay, the reason, why is Frank doing this and whining the whole time? Boomers who want freedom to maintain their favorite activities, like knee bends, without any aches and stiffness, or at least with reduced aches and stiffness, take Sierra Sil. So Frank and I both take it on a daily basis. We find that we can maintain all of our favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness. Right, Frank? I would be groaning more if we're not for uh, Sierra Absolutely. You're only yeah. whining in a, in, with a very light I voice. Know. Now, you can pick up Sierra Sil at lots of different locations. One is Noah's Natural Foods, uh, St. Clair and Young, also Eglinton and Young, and Bloor Street, all in the city of Toronto. Or give them a call at 1-877-JOINT-14. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. You're delighted to welcome Juanita from Lewiston, New York. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. A compost question, Charlie, please. Uh-huh. No problem. I have a Benjamin ficus in my living room. Mm-hmm. I do put it out on the sheltered deck during the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 35 years old. Mm. And um, my question to you is, that you know the leaves fall mm-hmm. periodically. Yep. And I pick them up and I throw them in the trash. Now, t- I know I could put them in the compost. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as putting them in water or something and making like a compost tea? And I have a few house plants that I trim back, trim back, trim back to keep them nice. Uh, wondering, these excess fluids that are in the house, can they be used 
as the fluids for the trees or anything like that. A leftover coffee. Uh, uh-huh. Sure. Somebody, somebody who comes in and drinks a half a bottle of soda pop. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Uh, not the soda pop, but I definitely would use Leftover coffee, coffee grounds, um, like you said, houseplant trimmings. I oh. put I put the coffee grounds in the composter. How okay. about the leftover coffee? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you know what? I'd be inclined just to put the the coffee into the composter as well. Okay. But if you wanted to make compost tea, and you're right, often people will do. Yeah, Frank's got a real expression <laughs> on his face, like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm anxious to hear about this. What is compost tea? It's not something we drink. It's tea for the plants. Yeah. Thank goodness. So, okay. But compost tea. He understand is just a liquid form of a balanced compost. Well, I wondered because the the, the leaves that fall off mm-hmm. obviously are dead. Mm-hmm. So is this a you know is there something left in them that I could use? And in the winter time, I will confess I do not compost outside. So of uh, the leaves go in the garbage, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that type of thing goes in the garbage. And I wondered if there's some nutrition left, if I could then do the leaves, put them yeah. back in the tree or the plant. Well, in the wind, see, the problem with just taking, say, a, a jug of water yeah. and tossing in your lit bits and pieces of, of leaves in the yeah. wind, in winter or summer uh, and leftover coffee, whatever, is that that's going to start to smell pretty bad. And ah, to okay. have that inside is usually when we think of compost tea, we think of taking, um, it could be a shovel full of manure, it could be a shovel full of compost. Mm-hmm. Drop it into a pail, fill the pail up with water, and let the whole thing steep. I mean, that's that where the tea idea comes from. Mm-hmm. So that you, when you're steeping and some of that, the um, uh, nutrients are released into the water, and then we can scoop that water and water our plants with it, That we do that outside because that's, it's not a good-smelling thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's, like I say, it's not... I'm not a big gardener. Mm-hmm. I no, it's okay. That. But, but I just see all these leaves, and yeah. I think, is there something good left in these, or is there not? But you know what? Some people who don't compost in the wintertime, just because they don't want to go outside or can't get at their composter, mm-hmm. if you have room in your freezer, I know people that will keep, you know, banana peels and whatever leftovers, and they just keep freezing them all winter well, in their freezer. Them. That's not me. Okay. <laughs> um, the other thing I sometimes do is I... I well, actually, I keep... my winter composters right by my back door so it's really easy mm-hmm, to get at mm-hmm. my other composters are further away than the ones i use in the summer but, but also you turn it and in the sum- winter time i don't i just pile it in there oh. and it all thaws in the spring and then i turn it okay um but okay. even just a plastic bag outside uh if you can access it just throw all your little bits and pieces of you know even if it's just the, the indoor plant cuttings mm-hmm. into that plastic bag just leave it outside mm-hmm. uh and then as it starts to thaw, it will co- it will start to decompose very quickly. As it starts to thaw, I find that that really speeds things up. That's why it's nice to have it outside and then mm-hmm. leave it outside. Well, my composter came with the recipe for the uh, compost tea mm-hmm. that we're not drinking. Yep. Uh, however, um, I, I I'm not quite sure the design of it. That it, it you know it says it very nicely. You turn it and then you drop the stuff out in, to a bucket underneath it. There's no room, really, for a bucket underneath it. Oh, really? It's just one of those things. But I see all these extra coffee and the leaves and the 
trimmings off the plant. Just and keep I'm thinking, should I be doing something with these? Just drop it into your composter. Is it one of those twirly drum things you've got? Yes, it is. Oh, neat. Okay, they do move very quickly. They, you can comp- make compost in, what, four to five weeks oh, if really? you follow all the instructions and turn as often as you're supposed to and remember really? the moisture. Really? Adding your coffee is a great idea. You've got to keep your compost much more moist than you think. Mm-hmm. But don't be putting the sugar in. Sugar's not a good idea. Oh, okay. Well, just quickly, I will tell you that I lived in a different house, and I composted, but like under a tree with all my coffee, Mm -hmm. grounds and so on, around the weeping willow, right beside Mm -hmm. the river. It was beautiful. And I thought, well, these uh, are disposable uh, containers that the coffee's in. Mm -hmm. The The paper, yep. The paper, which worked very, very nicely until it got very dry in a windy day and there was white paper in everybody's yard. That was not a success. That just like preceded that. your move. Yeah. <laughs> the neighbors said, uh, yeah, Juanita, I, beat it. I, I since moved to Lewiston, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great little town, by the way. Uh, mm. uh, one of my favorite. Uh, I go there every week. Uh, you really? Yes, I do. I, cross, I live in St. Catharines, okay. so I go to fill up uh, over at the <laughs> Tops, the Tops Gas Bar, you know, right right in the main drag there. I can't believe and, you're uh, telling everybody Well, what the that. heck? You save 14 bucks to fill up. I uh, mean, the hell with what yeah. they're doing to us here in Canada. It's terrible. Not only that, not only that, but you're only one of many, 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 <laughs> yeah. and if they go a mile or two further out, they go to the Tuscarora Reservation, oh. which yeah, savings are even bigger. Yeah, so I'm told. Yeah, go. smoking Joes or something like that. Oh uh, <laughs> yes, or one of those. And I will confess, uh, I I am an American. I was married to a Canadian who his entire family was the Niagara Falls, Ontario, Hamilton, Toronto area. Yeah. But I'm the only one that's over here. And uh, of one of thirteen children, <laughs> but they all would visit and fill up when they when <laughs> yeah. they see you. Would they fill up? Not only let's put it like this: not only with gasoline. <laughs> oh, I, I get you. It. It's a great town. I think uh, I think I've just heard the word. The border patrol is just tuning in now, so yeah. we've got to say goodbye, Juanita. <laughs> I thank you. So okay, much. And, thank you. Uh, and I'm a great Dale Goldhawk uh, fan as well, and was there at Site 41. Oh, Terrific, good for Very you. Very happily so. It takes a village. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks thank for your call, you, thank Juanita. You. Thanks, love. Nine fifty-two. We got to push along because we do have a, a little commercial break here, and and then we'll come right back and get to Margaret in Hamilton, who, good lord, has snakes in the garden. I can't wait to get to that. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Let's wiggle our way toward Hamilton and say hi to Margaret, who has snakes in the garden. Good Lord, what's going on there? <laughs> Good morning. morning. Good morning. I have a problem with snakes in the garden. I have a large perennial garden, mm-hmm. which I start gardening in January because I'm guaranteed I won't see anything in January. Mm-hmm. So I tidy and, you know, everything sells. It's a nice garden. I open it to the garden tours. But every mm-hmm. year, I swear to God, there's more gar- snakes in my garden. Wow. And I am the one with the phobia. Oh, I have gosh. a friend across the street. He'll come over and ride shotgun for me if I have to, you know, when I'm doing mm-hmm. work in the garden. But it never fails. And what kind of snakes are they? Are they garter snakes? Every kind. Oh, lots of different kinds. I have, um, I had a friend's husband come over whose specialty was snakes, and mm-hmm. I started describing all these things. And he goes, oh, he's, you know, hog snakes, garter snakes, milk snakes, you name it. I've okay. probably seen it in my garden. No kidding. And wow. nothing, my neighbor on the right 
keeps his lawn manicured in his garden. He has never seen anything. And my gardener, my garden neighbor to the other side, now she's gone. Her garden's pretty well overgrown, but she never saw one. But in my garden. And, and you, just, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, crazy. but it's just crazy. Well, okay. I just can't stand. I can't, you know, I, I go, I, I lean down to pull a few weeds. Of course, I see one. And I oh. turn around and look at my water feature. Oh, there's one on the rocks. It Holy never cow. fails. Okay, so um, we know that snakes overwinter in rocks. That's there's actually a name. I'm just escaped me. Where where snakes live in the winter? It's always a big pile of tumbled rocks. None and they, of that. I've gotten one. Um, um, Rob Howard in Hamilton saying, "Get rid of habitat." Right. So I checked everything. I have a water feature with rocks around the edges, but mm. I wouldn't call that a pile of rocks. Yeah. And other than and, that, you don't know of a lot of rock on the property. Not on my property. Now my property um, backs onto a hydro right away. And I have two vegetable plots at the back, but that's all mowed like a park. They mow it from one end up to the other. Mm. Neighbors keep it like a park. Wow. So there's no piles of stuff back there. Um, I removed anything like a pile of wood or anything like that that mm. was in the back, gone. Mm. And there was, when I moved in, there was a huge compost pile right at the back gate. I had them move that because, well, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, that, but this is in, in my garden. I've even had them up at the front towards my house on my patio. Fine, fine. Yeah, so, I mean, you know what snakes do, right? They they hide out in their um, little... I just keep trying to remember what it's called. I, anyway, they hibernate down yeah. in, out of the frost, etc. And then they come out and start messing around for the summer, laying eggs, mating and all that important stuff. But of course, they love those sunny spots and they come out and sun themselves to warm up on mm-hmm. nice warm rocks. And then, of course, dive for cover. And like they, they feel everything coming by... The um, trembling in the earth or, you know, the, the movement. Well, you know, I've thought of that. I thought of getting a big set of speakers and just putting them face down. Base, yeah, I get a lot oh, of bass. Oh, yeah. a really big bass. Mm-hmm. Every time I went out in the garden, I would just mm-hmm. turn it on for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that yet. I've tried most of everything else. That's worth a shot, maybe. Yeah. Because there's something, obviously, about your garden. Well, that's a really interesting question. I'm going to think about that. That If you've got a lot of snakes in your, for some reason, there's something very attractive about your yard. Well, it's, it's big garden. It's a big, big garden. And, of course, and you probably have, like, toads and frogs and spiders. Oh, and, not so many. There's a frog. Oh. One on my water, pe- one on my water features. Hmm. Yeah, because, you know, there. these snakes, they, they, it's what they eat, right? They, they'll yeah. eat... Um, yeah, they're scavengers. They'll pick up dead stuff, but they'll also, some of them pick up the, the bugs and the, uh, like, frogs, the mice, all that kind of thing yeah. is right up their alley. Why so, not Why not uh, give us a little time for Charlie to yep. do a little research and on this? Listen and, uh, next get, week, and I'm going to see if I can come up with some suggestions yeah. for you. Now, between the two houses, between one my one neighbor and myself, I'm three uh, railroad ties higher than the neighbor. Mm. So that was another thing. So I filled in every single crack. Up and along that um, railroad ties because the ties have started to crumble a little bit. So I thought, okay, we'll fill that in because that's probably habitat. Okay. But um, now, all right, we'll we'll work on it, Margaret. It's good. You've given me some good information. I've got sort of a vision of what's going on. And like I say, listen next week, and I'm going to see what I can report back with for you. Okay, like I'm saying, end to end in this garden, I got a hundred foot garden. Wow. Yeah, I can tell. 
Well, okay. The, the okay. snake handler from Hamilton. Yeah. My no, gosh. Not, right. not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're now, we've hire to a wrangler. Yeah. Snake wrangler. Right. Dave's Corner Garage just about They're set their open doors. They're revving their engines right now. It. Well, okay, just before we go, obviously, yes. uh, I did neglect to mention and want to mention that this Tuesday, May the 15th, 7.30 p.m., I will be in the Bolton, I will be in Bolton at the Horticultural Society. Uh, the community center in Bolton, speaking on great gardens with less water. So those... go have a peek at uh, Charlie's Bloomers there. Uh, oh, thank you yes, very much. Yes, you're welcome. And uh, my snake, I'll be looking for some snake wranglers out there. And don't forget, it is Mother's Day tomorrow. Absolutely. So lots of love to all the mothers. And, uh, you know, remember, m- put mother on a pedestal every day, not just one day a year, but every day. Spoken as a mother, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, a very self-involved one, but yes, nonetheless, indeed. because you know, mothers do have the toughest job in the entire world. You are not only the <laughs> goddess of the gardens, but you're the goddess of your home too. Uh, you know it. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, no, happy Frank, Mother's Day to and you. to you. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers in your life. So, uh, and uh, you have a show, obviously. After this, you're yes. here for a while. Speaking of Mother's Day, coming up on the diner between twelve and one, I've got two selections. We're going to play a Especially for mothers out there, and they're just terrific. Oh, perfect. Good for you. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thank you, obviously, for your wonderful undergardener skills. And, of course, a big thank you to Dave, because we couldn't do any of this without Dave. And uh, and thanks to all our great callers. And you I bet will, you. I'll get some more information on this, uh, what to do about snake snakes. snake problem. Yeah, snake wrangler. I know. I like snakes <laughs> myself. Too bad for her. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.